This is episode number 30 of the Physical Therapy Business School podcast and in this episode I share with you 14 of the best lessons that I've learned throughout 2017. It's all coming up, enjoy the show. Welcome to the Physical Therapy Business School podcast. My name is Paul Goff, former professional soccer physical therapist turned successful business owner and author from the UK. Each week we answer your questions and bring you an inspiring story or person from the global physical therapy community. This show is dedicated to helping great physical therapists become hugely successful business owners. Thanks for joining me today. Now let the class begin. So here we go again. Let's get going with another episode of the Physical Therapy Business School podcast. This is episode number 30, the final one of 2017. Uh, My name is Paul Goff. It's great to be here. If you have just stumbled across the podcast, um, you're very welcome in this community uh, that is now global. We are reaching and impacting people all across the world. We are dedicated to helping great physical therapists becoming hugely successful business owners. And uh, really, in a nutshell, what I'm doing is sharing with you my uh, stories, my journey, my lessons, my uh, highs, my uh, mistakes, my uh, lessons learned from um, diving headfirst into building uh, what is now three uh, businesses internationally and um, employing uh, however many staff both sides of the Atlantic soon to be uh, one physio business one uh, marketing and media company in the US and uh, an investments business as well um, so you're very welcome with us um, if you're just joining the uh, party so to speak uh, please be sure to get in touch and let me know who you are it's always good uh, to hear from you and uh, just to hear who you are and uh, where you're from and what is uh, happening in your life and on your business journey I sincerely do love to hear people and uh, feel free to to uh, reach out to me through any of the social channels at the Paul Goff is my address. So it is, um, as I record this, it is December the 29th. It is uh, 2 p.m. in the afternoon here in Britain. It is a freezing cold day. It has been snowing this morning, which is um, always beautiful to see. Uh, I always uh, love to see it when it snows and it is just, um, it's gorgeous right now as I look out of my uh, window. We've had some fun today recording some videos for um, a couple of big uh, launches that we've got happening early next year. Our business growth school program kicks off in just a couple of weeks, which is um, one of my two flagship programs. We've been outside um, having a lot of fun doing the promotional videos for those, uh, for that class, which takes place at the end of January over the course of six weeks. And um, we got caught in the snow, which uh, which was fun. And the cameraman Joe said, "Do we need to go?" And I said, "No, let's uh, let's keep it going because this is uh, this is real. It's raw. It's live. It's happening." in the moment right now and it's um it's exciting to be here in britain i hope you've had a wonderful holidays or a wonderful christmas um whatever uh, is most relevant to you i certainly have had a fabulous christmas with my family and the two boys and um just loved uh being with them and uh the highlight if i can share with you of my holiday and christmas season so far had to be um christmas day was wonderful and and i never take those days for granted obviously seeing uh, harry's face when he wakes up on a morning and tobias's uh, kind of excitement he's still only 15 16 months so he's not 100 percent sure what's going on and he's very happy with harry's uh, wrapping paper and boxes from all of his presents and gifts uh but harry's face is fabulous obviously when we wake up and i think this year was really the first year where he truly did understand um absolutely the whole concept of uh, father christmas and what the whole thing is um about as he sees it which is really just presents if he's a good boy uh, a couple of highlights christmas eve we watched santa claus the movie which is a family tradition in my house uh, my father started it years and years ago 
Uh, and it's funny that my sister came around to see my uh, two boys and just wish them, you know, happy Christmas before the uh, before the big day. And I uh, I said, what what are you doing tonight? She said, I'm I'm going home to watch Santa Claus the movie with uh, Johnny, my boyfriend. So in our house, there is a habit instilled in us um, from our uh, dad who uh, would often make us sit down at seven o'clock Christmas Eve and watch Dudley Moore's um, the Santa Claus the movie, which uh, to me is still uh, alongside Home Alone and alongside It's a Wonderful Life is uh, my three Christmas uh, favorites. And uh, me and Natalie, after watching Santa Claus the movie, we got into bed to watch uh, It's a Wonderful Life, uh, fell asleep towards the end and put on uh, the last half an hour the next morning. And uh, it really does give you, if you've never watched that movie, it's uh, it's an absolute must from a business owner point of view. It's a wonderful life. It really gives you um, a completely fresh perspective uh, just when you need it most about how uh, wonderful uh, this life is that we have and how easy it is to look at our business challenges and problems through um, the wrong lens. And uh, really, I uh, as I watched that movie and as I explained to Natalie, what the movie's about and the more that I watch it, I find something new in it every year. The movie really is about looking at um, the problem that we have with a different lens. The problem still existed um, for the guy who obviously got into debt and problems and everybody as he sees it or as he thinks is you know is out to get him and wants the money and the police are involved. Um, he can't do anything except see the problem for the way that it, it is as he sees it. And it takes that uh, wonderful angel who comes down from uh, heaven to or comes down from the stars to help him see the problem differently that really his life is worth living and um, what he's done is substantial and he's made a huge contribution to people's lives and all of a sudden the problems that he's living with are um are not as grand anymore and, and and are easy to kind of overcome and he goes back and uh tackles the problem head on and, and all of a sudden the problem disappears and there is relevance there for us all because as i've alluded to many times on this podcast and as i teach uh, really my job and, and really what I believe I'm able to do for you and, and anybody that's in my, uh, you know, in my life, in my world, is really just help you to see the challenges that you've got from a completely different angle because um, I could be dealing with the same problem as you or, or facing the same problem, but dealing with it in a completely different way that doesn't affect me. Therefore, it's not the problem that is the problem. It's the way that we see the problem that is the problem. Therefore, we need to seek out teachers, uh, people who are um, able to give us a different vantage point on the problems that we've got so that we have a completely different uh, perspective on that business challenge, on that uh, issue, on that roadblock that we are living with so that we can um, come at it from a completely different angle and get over it faster than we would have done had we not um, come into contact with the equivalent of um, the angel, I think, is it Charles that he's called? That he he, he comes down from uh, from the stars at the beginning of the movie. He obviously gets called Clarence, not Charles. It's Clarence, obviously. It's Clarence, uh, and he really just gives um, he just gives him a completely different um, perspective of of what his life is about and the real problems that he he has. And like I said, I think there is a message there for you and for I. Uh, if you watch that movie uh, from a business owner perspective, there's a lot to be learned. That everybody needs the equivalent of Clarence to just give us that completely different vantage point on what we believe to be a problem that is completely unfixable or, or completely um, immovable and all of a sudden we see it from a different angle and it was never a problem in the first place. Uh, the real problem as always is how we choose to see it and then how long ultimately we choose to see it like that before seeking help or advice or guidance or asking a quality question of somebody who has uh, been through that problem in the past. So that was my Christmas um, up until yesterday. Uh, that was certainly the highlights 
And yesterday I took uh, Harry to a pantomime. A huge thing happens in England. It's a tradition. I'm sure it goes on where you are. Uh, and the one that we went to see yesterday was Cinderella. Um, we went to see Cinderella and uh, Harry loved and laughed every minute of it. Last year we took him to watch Jack and the Beanstalk. Uh, and I got the impression last year he kind of understood what it was. But this year he really got it and played along and you know kind of sang uh, along whenever he needed to. And uh, oh no it isn't and uh, it's behind you and all that type of stuff was going on yesterday at uh, the Billingham Forum which is just five minutes from where I live here in the northeast of England in Hartlepool so um, that's something that I love and, and already uh, to be honest I had that much fun yesterday I booked another one in Sunderland which is uh, just about half an hour away from where I live that will take place on New Year's Eve this one is um, I believe Jack and the Beanstalk again so uh, I love pantomime season over Christmas and it, it really is the highlight it's a period of a couple of hours where parents, adults, kids, everybody just um, forgets about pretty much everything and just has a um, a right good laugh and a, a good giggle and plays along and says things and does things that uh, you weren't allowed to do since uh, since you were a kid as um, as society sees it. So so that's where I've been and that's what I've been up to and I'm in my office today um, spending three days really thinking long and hard about what I've learned in 2017 um, on day one and then the final two days are what do I want to have happen in 2018 what are my financial goals what are the metrics what are the um, indicators if you like what are the milestones what are the activities that will have to go on to get us there and have we got the resources in terms of the staff and the time to actually uh, allow us to do that because if I don't think like that and if I don't do that the uh, outcome that I set or the goals that I set are just Christmas wish lists. And um, unfortunately for most business owners, that is what's going to happen. There will be some lofty goal of a million dollars or half a million dollars in sales, and that's it. As if by just setting a little target on a wall that um, that, that magic means that everything is going to be all right. And um, nothing could be further from the truth. And um, it's such a sad occurrence that year after year after year, business owners think that it's just because it's um, January the 2nd everything is going to be all right. Um, you feel pretty good for a couple of days because there's renewed optimism and hope, uh, but the reality is that uh, nothing will change because um, the business owner didn't change. And uh, really, the business owner didn't change the way that they think, didn't change the way that they see, certainly didn't plan to be successful. They hoped to be successful and they prayed to be successful, but um, didn't put anything into play uh, to actually give them a better shot at being successful. So I've spent today reflecting on 2017, lessons learned, if you like, and that's ultimately what today's podcast is all about. The best lessons, how many have I got? Uh, I have got for you 14, uh, 14 of the best lessons learned in 2017 in no particular order but i'm just going to talk you through them as to what they are and um, give you my understanding of why i believe them to be so important into uh, my life as a business owner um, running uh, three different businesses uh, but ultimately all of these uh, lessons uh, they uh, are all relevant for each of the businesses that I own. So if you are ready, I am ready, have a pen and paper handy. If you are driving, if you are flying, uh, you're going to love this episode. It's going to be long. Um, like I said in the last um, podcast, I believe um, it really isn't about five and six minute short podcasts. It's uh, it's about learning and it's about lessons. And, and um, however long it takes me to bring this lesson to you is however long it will take. I have allocated a good couple of hours on my calendar today to be able to bring this message to you, whether you are uh, running around uh, New York City, whether you are shopping in London, whether you are relaxing on a beach in California, whether you are uh, in LA stuck in traffic, whether you are in Toronto, whether you're in Melbourne, Sydney, Australia, wherever you are right now, um, this podcast is highly relevant uh, to you. So here we go. Number one, uh, 
customer acquisition so customer acquisition it is about relationships now more than ever so customer acquisition when it comes to getting new patients new clients for your business it is about relationship building now more than ever people's attention is scattered people's ability to make decisions is scattered it's getting harder and harder for them to pull the trigger there is something called optionality which is set to ruin um, uh, people's ability to go all in and make decisions it's happening to the 20s and 30 somethings where a conversation that is regularly happening between a 25 year old and their parents or their auntie and uncle or teachers or lecturers is keep your options open and because of options being open it is becoming increasingly more difficult for people to feel confident with saying yes to anything. And the disease that I believe will be apparent in the next few years is the current 20-somethings uh, and 30-somethings will struggle to do anything all in. It's because of this constant get more qualifications, get more this, get more that, keep your options open, don't go all in just yet. And before you know it, that 25-year-old is 45 and still hasn't worked out how to go all in and get the thing that they want. So options are now becoming a problem and it's a massive problem for the 25, uh, 20 to 30s kind of demographic, but it's going to go up. It's filtering up in that more and more people are struggling with making decisions. Therefore, it will be uh, about building relationships with people to make that decision even easier for them. The more options that you have, the more risky that it feels and the less likely that you are to go in. And in today's economy, uh, customers have more options than ever and it's going to be easier for them to find more options, which doesn't mean that they'll actually take an option. It means that they will delay and delay and delay because it feels uncomfortable making the decision. It's called optionality. It's a thing. It's real. It's happening uh, everywhere, every state in every town and it's going to get worse. The, the more options that your customer has, the less likely that they will choose one. So it becomes and begets to uh, us business owners to uh, beat that, to fight that if you like, is to build those relationships with the potential customers and clients. You will need a solid marketing system, a follow-up system, nurture system. Your whole focus should be, has to be about building relationships so that people feel very comfortable. You are not an option. You are the only option. You are the only viable option. You are beyond dominant in your town and therefore it feels less risky for them to choose you than anybody else. So if optionality is the problem, therefore the million dollar question, how do you become not an option, essential. You will only do that through relationship style marketing. Number two, customer acquisition. Um, here's what I've learned, not just in my own business, but from working with other business owners all across the world. And much of what I teach you today um, has come from the unique vantage point that I have of working with businesses in at least seven different countries. Um, hundreds of business owners um, hire me, uh, request me to speak, buy my courses and programs, speak to me on strategy calls, reach out to me and tell me their challenges. And I've got to know intimately the real problems and challenges and the lessons that I, I'm able to extract from them myself. And this is another one, that the slow rhythmical acquisition of leads wins every day. So when it comes to customer acquisition, the slow rhythmical acquisition of new leads and customers wins contrast that to most business owners where lead or customer acquisition is an event for example one big workshop every quarter one big promotion one big sale because it's uh, valentine's day or because it's easter or because it's christmas let's do something it's an event so most businesses they rely upon big events seasonal events which are uh, tiresome which are unpredictable which are volatile which there is um, a high risk of the event failing and if it does you're really struggling until the next one comes along 
most businesses as well and what i'm seeing more and more of is the a constant um we don't need to market because we've got patience and as soon as that schedule goes bare it, there is a um an all-out attack to find patience and there is a worrisome time a troublesome time to replenish the schedule um in that downtime and when you look at that across the course of 12 months you see a um a peak and a, a huge peak and a huge trough and it's no way to run a business because you may have a month of doing very well but it's and if it's always followed by a month that is um, in decline where you're always then looking for patience because you were too busy to keep the door uh, open for new leads and customers to come through because you were so busy servicing the ones that you've got then you will look at your numbers at the end of the year and you will see despite having work uh, worked very uh, hard uh, not the profits that you want there is a lot of work there's a lot of hustle but because there is no what i call the slow rhythmical acquisition of new leads and customers you will lose um, and often what happens another example of it is uh, a business owner gets so frustrated that he will uh, turn to Facebook he will try Facebook for a week and switch it off at the first sign of no calls and then uh, he assumes that or she assumes assumes that Facebook or Google doesn't work and really what it was was because he just didn't give it time to work he, he wanted those quick instant fix results why because the schedule was bare because he took his eye off the ball when it came to marketing uh, because he was too busy doing something else three months will pass the schedule is still bare he is equally if not more frustrated therefore turns back to facebook to give it another go and only gives it another week maybe 10 days and again didn't give it time to actually work for himself a year passes like this with peaks and troughs bouts of frustration facebook gets a go then it doesn't then it gets another go a few months later and so on and so on and so on and so much energy and so much money is being wasted in the pursuit of this one big epic let's switch facebook on or let's switch a newspaper ad on and switch it off in a week if it doesn't work that the momentum um, it never builds the momentum the compound effect of seeing of a customer seeing your ad week after week never gets a chance to build which is really where um, the success is um, and it is in the absolute and i'm going to say this again for you to write down if you want to be successful with client acquisition in 2018 and beyond it is about relationships and it's about the slow rhythmical acquisition of leads if you find yourself running a big event or a big promotion every couple of months good luck to you good luck it is not the way to build a sustainably profitable business i cannot see ahead of learned studied any business that relies upon those types of um, events it's absolutely about you having a marketing system in play that um, will constantly bring a series of inquiries a series of engaging uh, engaging um, activities whether it's watching videos downloading pdfs getting onto an email list making an inquiry through a web form all of your marketing activity must lead back to the slow rhythmical acquisition of leads and with a follow-up system in play um, you have a much better chance of being successful and predictably and sustainably and reliably successful which is what i want for you number three the importance of planning the importance of planning so again this time of year everybody's wanting 2018 to be more successful i want another hundred thousand dollars i want another 50 patients i want another 100 patients a month whatever but where's the plan where's the clear sustainable path to profitability 
the clear, sustainable path to profitability. That's what having a plan allows you to do. That's why I bang the drum about having a plan. That's why I dedicate three days for each business towards creating a plan for the 12 months in advance. That's why I teach how to create a plan at a marketing uh, workshop every February that always sells out. It's because people need a plan. You absolutely have to have a plan if you want to be um, successful. And a plan ultimately gives you a sustainable path to profitability. And what else does it do? It helps you to avoid instant gratification. It helps you to avoid the quick wins, the quick fixes, the let's put a Facebook ad up, the let's fire somebody, the let's hire somebody, the let's just do something, anything, just to justify being in business. Again, I'm speaking um, of how 94% of businesses operate which is why 90, sorry, 6%, 96% of businesses go bust within 10 years. It's because they operate like this and then in the end they just give up. So if you haven't got a plan, it's almost impossible to be successful. A plan, what's involved in a plan? Let me give you some insight into how I see a plan. You start with a clear outcome. So what's the outcome? All right, I want to make $1 million in, in net sales, net revenue, net income, whatever you want to call it. So in gross income, gross sales, gross revenue. I now know what the target is. I now know what the outcome is. What are the milestones needed to help me reach that? So the milestones then could be, well, we need 100 new patients every single month. We need um, all of those patients to have at least eight sessions. We need our arrival rate to be 95%. We need our uh, no-show cancel rate to be less than 3%. Once I know what the target on the wall is, I can then start to set some milestones. Milestones in marketing might also be, I need 25 leads from Facebook. I need 20 calls from Google. I need uh, 50 calls a month from the newspaper advertising that we're gonna do. I need five web forms completed every single week um, from my website. These are the milestones that allow me to check across the course of the 12 months whether I'm on target to hit my goal. Because if I'm not getting those leads and I'm not getting 100 new patients a month, I'm not gonna hit my goal. I'm not gonna hit a million dollars no matter how hard I wish or how hard I try or how hard I pray. So now I know what the milestones are. The next question is what are the activities that support the milestones? So what has to happen for 100 patients to arrive? What has to happen for people to have minimum of six sessions? What has to happen for the no-show cancel rate to be less than 5%? What has to happen for the uh, arrival rate to be above 95%? What are the activities? What are the activities that have to happen for us to get 25 leads a month off Facebook? Once I know what these activities are that support the milestones, the next question is, have I got the resources? Have I allocated the time or have I got the staff, the assets for this thing to actually happen? Have I got the marketing system? Have I got the team? Have I hired the right marketing assistant or team? There's a reason that businesses like mine exist. Uh, my implementation program supports businesses all over the world because they realize when they start to set their plan at this time of the year that they haven't got the resources. They might want Google ads, they might want Facebook ads, but if they haven't got the team, they haven't got the person to do it, then they're not gonna get their 25 leads a month. Therefore, they're not gonna get their 100 patients a month. Therefore, they're not gonna hit their million dollar revenue. This is really, really basic. But the problem is, um, there is a big difference between um, practice and execution. Massive, massive difference between what works in theory, uh, what works on paper, sorry, and actually executing the thing. So have you got the resources allocated? Number four reduce variability 
evils. This was huge for me as I realized this in 2017. As my business grows um, and collectively in, in worldwide sales, um, heading towards $3 million, massive amount of um, variability evils are happening into in my business. We uh, have uh, office on in the Atlanta, uh, in America, we have an office in the UK. I have four physio businesses here in the northeast of England and uh, collectively 28 staff. The more variabilities that I have, the more ways that something can happen, the more likelihood that something will go wrong. Therefore, one of my goals or one of the things that I've set about to achieve in 2017 that has really helped me is to reduce the variability evils. And it often happens when I teach something. Uh, so I taught at Sales Bootcamp recently in San Diego. And one of the things that I was teaching was how to go from a discovery visit to if um, to the next session. In my world, my staff will never move from a discovery visit to anywhere other than the next full evaluation. So we don't take them to a full plan of care from a discovery. And somebody in the room said, well, I, I have a 100% conversion ratio from a discovery to a full plan of care. And I said, good for you, but you're also a solo practitioner. You are also a solo practitioner in that you as the business owner probably can execute faithfully, diligently every single time and take somebody who is scared and nervous and skeptical from a discovery visit to the confident place of, of booking out a full plan of 10 sessions. However, when you've got six staff in play working for you, that will not happen. That is a variability evil that you have to eradicate and you cannot give the staff in that instance, the ability to decide for themselves because they will get it wrong uh, too many times. They might get it wrong, uh, might get it right many times, but we want to cut down the variability evil um, and make sure that everybody in the office knows that the protocol is discovery visit to full evaluation that they'll pay the first set of fees and then from full evaluation to a full plan of care, which could be eight, nine or 10 sessions. And eradicating that in my business at every level. Another example would be the way that your phone is answered. If your phone is answered differently at 9.30 on the morning by Helen um, than it is at 2.30 on an afternoon by Sarah, you have a problem in the business. The customers are not being greeted with the same experience and therefore you cannot expect them uh, to be all in on your business um, plans outcome goals contributing to the revenue if each customer is getting a different experience every time the phone rings or every time they see a different pt it feels different it doesn't have to be the same it just needs to feel the same which are two very different things um very very different things so systems are the key and as we look ahead to my um, physical therapy business growth school program much of the emphasis is around that we kick off that at the end of january and the whole emphasis if you like is on systematizing and internalizing the processes of the business to reduce variability evils to stop business owners from working too hard to stop business owners working on 15 dollar an hour activities and spending more time on 200 300 500 dollar an hour activities that will give you the uh, boost in profits that you're looking for because let's face it uh, business owners we all have the same time in the day um, that's not what distinguishes us there's no superior advantage for the millionaires over the people who are not millionaires it's just that they figured out how to use their time for more of the two three four five hundred dollar activities per hour uh, instead of doing the fifteen dollar an hour activities and if you can get systems and processes in your business early in 2018 it gives you a very good chance of reducing variability evils and therefore um, giving you a clear uh, path to the profitability that you are looking for so number five business is a series of processes not one big event so number five business is a series of processes not one big event 
So what does that mean? Where's the relevance in that for you? Again, I believe business owners see getting a customer, for example, as an event. It's something that it's happened, we've got one, and that's it. Failing to recognize that really what should happen and what is happening in the successful businesses is the customer moves through a series of processes. The process starts with the business owner finding, uh, sorry, the patient finding the website. And then it moves on to the next step, which is filling out a form. And then the next step is that the admin contacts the person. And then the next step is that they're invited for a discovery visit. They are following a protocol of a, B or C, depending upon who the patient is and where they are. And then the patient moves into a welcome sequence that is automated that comes from something like Infusionsoft. And then they arrive and have an amazing patient experience before the first session um, even takes place and so on and so on. And when the treatment plan is finished, there is a series of processes to reactivate that patient, to offer them an upsell, a cash pay option uh, or service that they didn't even know that you uh, offered currently and the uh, entire experience the entire journey if you like is a series of intricate processes that can be optimized at every level um, and contributes um, uh, in a more significant way than any one single part of that process much like um, if you have one member of staff that you rely upon you will eventually be in a world of hurt if you have one significant event that you rely upon um, that defines your business you will be in a world of hurt. And an example of that would be to think that uh, you need to rely upon a machine or a type of treatment technique like dry needling or acupuncture. To think that that's what separates you and that's your one big event, you will be in a world of hurt um, if you consider uh, or keep thinking that just because you have a machine or just because you have one big thing, one big type of event happening at your practice, one big workshop, um, one big customer appreciation day, you will be in a world of hurt and always chasing your tail. The most efficient, most productive, and most um, effective businesses, the, one who, the ones who are cash rich, see businesses as a series of processes, a series of intricate processes where each part, each intricate part allows the business to be greater than any one individual thing that is happening. A business for it to be successful has to be the sum of its parts. It cannot be one single thing that you are doing to bring in patients, to keep patients, or to bring in staff or to keep staff. You have to have these processes in play. Number six, the compound effect gives you momentum. The compound effect is what gives you the momentum that you're looking for. Now, this will apply to uh, if you are brand new in business and you're about to get started, that um, there is no big day where you wake up and think, that's it, I've cracked this business game. The decisions that you make today will be or uh, will not be the reason, will be or will not be the reason that you get what you want in two or three years' time. So the phrase um, off the top of my head is, if you want to know why your business is the way it is today, look back at the decisions you made last year and the year before. And if you want to know what your business will be like in one years, two years, or five years from now, consider the decisions that you are making today. That's it. So if you want to know why your business is in the mess that it is today, you have to look at what the decisions were you made two, three, four, five years ago. And if you want to know what your business will look like in five years, consider the decisions you are making today. What investments are you making today in yourself, in your education, in your marketing systems, in your internal systems, in your recruitment, in your website, in your uh, spending on marketing? If you are thinking that you can uh, get another year uh, in 2018 without spending any money on marketing um, because you've got through it for the last few years, but you've not got the profit that you want, then you're not going to get the profit that you want at the end of 2018 either. 
So the compound effect is a series of small decisions that over a period of time multiply. They build upon themselves, they layer on top, and they're, um, you know, as I teach my mastermind program regularly, there's never one single thing that I will teach them that will make a significant difference. It's the effect of one good decision on top of another, and another, and another, which has now, which is the experience that many of my business owners in my mastermind program are experiencing, is the phenomena of how did this happen? All of a sudden, we've got all this profit, or all of a sudden, we've got all these inquiries, or all of a sudden, I have more effective staff. All of a sudden, my staff are converting leads. All of a sudden, uh, patients are showing up for nine sessions instead of six. Now, it wasn't all of a sudden because it's been worked on for three months, six months, nine months, or 12 months. And the impact of improving that one member of staff or improving KPIs or improving the ability to read the numbers, improving the marketing message, adding Infusionsoft and follow-up systems, meaning that people show up uh, and actually book appointments who made inquiries rather than um, dropping off or asking for the price and then not hearing the, or not liking the sound of the price and going elsewhere, um, these, Clients of ours now have nurture systems in play that mean that they can keep in touch with those people and essentially win them back after two or three months. So the compound effect is massive in not just building a business, but in wealth creation. The compound effect of, I have an investment company here in the UK uh, and I'm studying the compound effect, the, uh, the residual rate of return, if you like, of the investments that I make relentlessly. What gets my attention grows. And what started with one house or one property turned into two, turned into three, turned into almost double figures and has a plan in 2018 to be at 25 um, commercial and, and residential properties by the end of 2015. Now, when I started with my first house, my first property investment, it was set to make me three or four thousand pounds, six thousand dollars equivalent. Now, all of a sudden with 10 houses in play, and then at the end of 20, uh, 2018 with 20 or 25 houses in play, it won't be far long before my investment company generates a passive income of six figures. Now, did it start like that? Absolutely not. It started with four, $4,000 a year, £4,000 a year, $6,000. That on the face of it didn't appear to be much. You know, nice, very nice, but a lot of hassle to start with to set the business up, to go out and look for a property and have a management company look after it for me and deal with the hassle and the crap that comes with uh, having tenants in, in these properties and not paying bills, etc. At the beginning of that company, it was more hassle than it was worth. But fast forward a year and all of a sudden we're at double figures properties and two commercial uh, properties are included in that. There's a nice rate of return. There is a nice compound effect building up that won't be uh, too long before the actual residual income that that company makes means it's self-sufficient and it can actually start to buy its own properties. Therefore, I won't even have to put money into that company for it to grow. Now, that's the power of the compound effect. But when did I buy my first property? About six, seven years ago. It took me that long to get to this point where um, I'm in a position to be able to grow a third investment company that um, will provide real sustainable long-term wealth for my family, whether I'm around or I'm not, whether my businesses are doing well or not. That had to be, you know, and really became um, one of my areas of focus in 2017. Uh, Once I'd really started to understand the compound effect, it changed the reason that I was in business. Um, The sole reason of my physio business and uh, media company business is to generate enough income to support an investment company, um, which will grow slowly in the background over a period of time to ensure that my family has long-term sustainable generational wealth. That's 
That's my goal. Is it going to happen overnight? No. Will I see it happen over a six month, 12, 18, 24, five year, uh, 12, 24 month period, five year, 10 year period? Yes. That's the compound effect. Back to my physio business. The compound effect is the good decision to bring in Vicky. The next good decision to get good at marketing and to get leads coming into my business. Well, without Vicky, I couldn't have, have um, justified bringing in the, the leads. I was too busy in the treatment room, so I get the front desk person, then I get the marketing to work, then I optimize my marketing system, then I optimize Vicky's ability to convert because we have the additional funds, we can spend more on marketing, we can bring in another asset to then offer an upsell at the end of every single person's treatment session, which now brings in on average $1,500 a week, more than covers that person's salary, puts a huge profit into the business, and so on and so on. Every single one of those events that have uh, happened in my business or uh, things that have happened in my business, they didn't on their own um, make me more make me rich. They made the business slightly more profitable or have a better income stream, more predictable stream. But on top of each other, the compound effect of all of those decisions adds up to uh, a six-figure net profitable physio business and uh, a very profitable media, uh, media company that allows me to now grow an investment company that is the next area of focus for myself and, like I said, long-term sustainable wealth for my kids and, and um, grandkids, you know, further down the line. So I'm always playing big. I'm always thinking into the future. I never worry about today. I don't really look at today's profits. It's always over a one-month, three-month, 12-month, 24-month um, five-year, 10-year game plan. And, and for those reasons, it's going to be very difficult for many people to beat me because I'm not instantly gratified. I don't really care about whether or not we made a profit today or how much was in the till on Friday. Um, I look and think and play much bigger than everybody else and have the compound effect uh, to support me on that journey. Um, and that compound effect gives me the momentum that I have today. Has it always been like this? No. Was it painful and torturous as hell in the first few years? Yes. That's the deal. That's that's the way it is. And if your business is 20 years on right now and you still haven't got it, then you've got to look at the decisions that you're making. Um, you shouldn't hold back, and I can't hold back from telling you that, that really you, you get what you tolerate. If you tolerate crappy staff, you'll get a crappy business. If you tolerate uh, the fact that you don't invest in your education when it comes to business or marketing systems, you will have to tolerate the crappy level of income from the crappy level of patients that you've got right now in terms of their volume. If you're attracting the wrong type of patient and they're not paying you the $250 that is happening to many cash businesses now, then it's your fault. It's your fault. It's because of the decisions that you are not making um, to, to get out of the mess that you're in. And um, really, it comes with understanding that in the first six to 12 months, you're going to do things and make decisions and even um, output, if you like, um, with all that, not that much to show for it. And that's that's what I believe is the hardest area for many businesses to get across, is that that gray area, that no man's land of increasing your activity. So I've started to write another book. I've started to write another book. It's another hour of my life, gone. Where did I find it? I go to bed an hour earlier and get up an hour earlier, feeling refreshed to do it. That's what I had to do. So I've sacrificed an hour of an evening, which I may or may not have got into bed and watched a movie or telly to fall asleep. I switched that thing off now and go to bed an hour earlier so that I can get up an hour earlier to write a book. Am I getting any reward from my effort right now? No. When will I get the reward? About 12 months from now. If I'm lucky, 
it's probably going to be two years or three years. So to have that motivation to get me out of bed in the pitch black at six o'clock every morning to go to my office, switch on a laptop and type a thousand words every morning is painful as hell. But I have to keep my eyes on the prize. The eyes on the prize is a book that will impact thousands of people all around the world. Legacy, something for my kids to look at and buy and hopefully still be impacting their lives long after I'm gone. So I've switched the way that I see the activity from writing a book to creating legacy. Much um, uh, something that is part of my uh, goal of creating long-term sustainable wealth for my family and and me, you know, long may it continue or, or continue it further down the line long after the days that I might not want to be so heavily involved um, in either of my businesses. Now, there's a very good chance that I will be because I love it, but who knows what it's going to look like further down the line. So what I'm essentially planning for is um, that long-term impact. What, what can I do today to ensure that the um, goals, the revenue, the income, if you like, is sustainable. And it isn't just a flash in the pan. It isn't just a quick book. It isn't just a, a good ride for a few years. It's long-term and it's sustainable. But if I want long-term and I want sustainable, guess what I have to do? I have to think long-term. I have to think long-term sustainability, decisions that I make today, output that I make uh, today, activities that I do today may not impact me for a year down the line. And you know what? I'm good with that. I'll take that pain and that frustration any day of the week because I know full well that it's going to come. My reward will come and it will be a beautiful day this time next year when I'm talking about the book that's been published impacting people all over the world for the rest of my life and long after I'm gone. That's that's the impact of the compound effect. It gives you momentum. So number seven, asking better questions helps you get unstuck. Asking better questions helps you get unstuck. So again, people um, today are full of optimism. In between Christmas and New Year, holiday season, everyone's partying, having drinks, letting their hair down, filled with hope and optimism for the future. They'll open up next week. Businesses will open, already open by the time many people listen to this podcast, wishing that um, it's going to be different. And all of a sudden, it's the Friday, we're only been open four days, and there's a roadblock. People are stuck already. And they'll stay stuck for months, if not for the entirety of the year. And one of the reasons is they don't know how to ask a good question, a quality question, a growth question to get themselves unstuck. So I firmly believe the quality of the question determines the quality of the answer. And given that all problems are questions unanswered, all stress, all worry, all uh, angst and tension, uh, which is not good places to make good decisions from, comes from a lack of knowledge. That's it. All of the co- uh, the only cause of stress and tension in this world um, to you know, 97% of it, if you like, sure, there's going to be some genetic things that this won't apply to. But as a general rule, most of the crap that people are piddling about being stressed and uh, overwhelmed and all this type of stuff really comes down to this one single thing, a lack of knowledge, a lack of knowledge. And if you had the knowledge, think about it, you wouldn't have a problem. And if you didn't have the problem, you wouldn't be stressed. So problems are really questions unanswered. It's right now your inability to answer the question that is being asked of you before you can grow any further. So your ability to ask better questions is a prerequisite if you want to be successful in business in 2018. And let me give you an example um, first from outside of the business realm that happened over Christmas. And and this made me laugh. Uh, my girlfriend, Natalie, she is, um, she is how shall I say it? Um, we are like yin and yang. And I live a very positive outlook and I see 
only positive things in um natalie has a little bit of a tendency sometimes to see things negatively just like the majority of the world she will sometimes ask very negative questions um for example she will ask me if i've had the kids are the kids okay and i'll ask her if she's had the kids have the kids had a wonderful day tell me what they did that was fun i'll ask a completely different question are the kids okay is everything all right would be her question to me my question to her would be have the kids had a wonderful day what did they do which opens up a completely different conversation now let me give you an example of something that happened over christmas and this is quite fun so my sister was round on christmas day i had all the family to my house and my sister lives round about a eight to ten minute walk from my house so Christmas Day, it was 11 o'clock, everybody had had a good drink in the house and it was uh, late, couldn't get a taxi, no Ubers around, it was raining, it was cold and it was raining at 11pm on Christmas at night and my sister and her boyfriend Johnny decided to walk home. Now the next day, um, my sister come round to collect her car and you know just kind of see what was going on, it was Natalie's birthday on Boxing Day so she came in the house and um, I came down the stairs to hear Natalie ask the question, did you get home okay? Now, given that Claire is in front of her, um, vividly um, looking at her, speaking fine, no obvious marks, bumps or bruises to suggest that anything went wrong, um, it always makes me, or it confirms my suspicion that people do lead very negative fear-based lives. So Natalie's question to Claire was, did you get home okay? Now, when I came down and Natalie knows that I do this all the time, I pull her up and always point out to her um, could we have asked a better question? Now, don't get me wrong, I do it in jest and I have some fun with it. And I politely pointed out that there might have been a better question that we could ask because the question of, did you get home okay? Claire responded, yes. That was it. The question was going nowhere. The conversation was going nowhere and it was a complete waste of oxygen um, in everybody's lives who was involved in that conversation. Now, my question that I proposed was this. Claire, uh, tell me about the walk home last night. It was raining. Um, did you have some fun along the way? Did you get your uh, mobile phone out? And did you film yourself and Johnny singing uh, to the uh, chorus of West Singing in the Rain? Bearing in mind that it was Christmas Day, they were jolly, they'd had lots of wine, lots of lager, lots of uh, Prosecco and whatever else. That there was a very good chance that they made light and just of the situation that they may not uh, usually find fun, which was a, a very wet and very damp walk home. To which my sister's eyes lit up. She said, well, actually, now that you've asked, we did exactly that. Here is the video of me and Johnny singing. We're singing in the rain all the way home to our house. To which she got the phone out. She showed us the video. And we laughed hysterically at Claire and Johnny singing to themselves drunkenly all the way home in the rain. Now, that conversation then carried on with my son, Harry, looking at the video, and I believe the video went out on Facebook after it as well. So instead of a dull, boring conversation that started with, did you get home okay? That conversation, simply because I asked a slightly different question, which gave a completely different outcome, led to something that was fun, made us all laugh, made us all feel great, put a smile on our faces and just set us all up for the next hour that we had together. I promise you that the quality of the question is dictating the quality of your life. If you're living a fear-based life, constantly asking, was it okay? Uh, did you get there all right? Ring me when you're safe. How about ring me when you tell me you've had an amazing time? So again, it's like we, we're all preconditioned to ask ridiculous questions. Ring me, ring me to let me know that you're safe. What? But listen to how many parents will ask or, or tell their kids, even when their kids are 30, 
to ring me to tell me that you got there safe. I will not be asking my kids to ring me when to tell me that they got there safe. I'll be asking my kids to ring me to tell me about the amazing adventure that they went on to get to wherever they are that I'm going to assume that they are safe until they tell me otherwise. Because the law of averages says that given that the average human being lives till nearly 80 now, there's not many ridiculous situations that we're going to get ourselves into enough to ask every single time somebody leaves the damn house, did you get there okay? Stop the madness, as Kevin O'Leary would say. In these moments, at this time of our lives, we have opportunities to ask different questions that will give ridiculously better answers that will make us all see life completely different. Back to the start of the podcast. Much of what I do, back to the it's a wonderful life concept. If you help people see their lives from a different angle, they will see it for what it really is. Not for what the media, CNN, Fox and BBC, the Washington Post and all these trash media outlets that are making us all believe that the world is a unsafe place uh, will want to have you believe this is a wonderful world that we live in if you choose to see it that way and choosing to see it that way starts with you asking better questions back to business choosing to ask yourself better questions in 2018 will lead much like to a better fun more productive day with my family through asking a better question and more positive quality of life it leads to a more positive more vibrant more fulfilled business which gives you a much more much better shot of success so some quality questions that you will want to ask yourself or could ask yourself in 2018 and by the way it's a skill people always ask me well how do i answer how do i ask better questions it starts with being around people who ask better questions and not being around people who are miserable about business who are ridiculously asking themselves the same question year upon year upon year why haven't i hit my targets why is business so tough why did the government do this? Well, if only Obamacare hadn't done this, or if only the government had do this. Ridiculous. And anybody's asking themselves those questions deserves every ounce of trash that they're getting in their business. If you ask yourself better quality questions, you will get better quality answers for your business. How do you ask better quality questions? Be around people who see life completely different. Be involved in mastermind groups. Get on weekly calls with people who do ask questions like this, who will not tolerate, much like I said, you get what you tolerate. I will not tolerate negative talk in my life, even from my girlfriend. When she does it, um, uh, in an automated way, I will point out regularly that there is a better question to be asked. Does she like it? Not at the time. Does she like it after the event? Yes, of course she does, because it is reframing her outlook on life. That's what it does. Now, of course, we will always slip back into asking the false uh, belief, patterned, uh, pre-built, crappy questions that we've been asked or being involved with for all of our life by everyday Joe Public, which is why we need people around us to point it out that we are asking crappy questions. If we ask crappy questions, we will have problems. If we have problems, we have a crappy life. Therefore, you can see me as an antagonist who is pointing out all of the time that the question that I'm asking is wrong, or you can see me as somebody who's trying to support you on a journey to be more fulfilled and more successful in life. Hence why I'm so passionate about my mastermind program and I never hold back in talking about it. That The reason that my uh, program is so successful um, in growing so fast is because people are recognizing the value of being in a community of business owners, currently 50, who see the world differently, who ask different questions, who as a leader of that group, will not allow anybody to ask crappy questions, will point out that there could have been a better outcome, a better question to be asked. The reason that the roadblock is there is not because anybody put it there other than you. 
Is it brutal? Yes. Does it need to be? Yes. It has to be that way if you want to be successful. Now, of course, it's not for everybody because a lot of people claim that they want to be successful but will not put themselves in that type of environment, will not give themselves the opportunity to have their questions and the quality of their questions shaped. They uh, believe that there must be something more secretive, more lucrative, more uh, sexier than just figuring out how to ask better questions. I'm here to tell you that there isn't. Most of the problems that you're going to hit in life are happening simply because you've figured out how to ask or didn't figure out how to ask a better question. So back to it's a wonderful life. He couldn't ask a better question. How else can I see this? Even if I do go to jail, how can I change the meaning of this? How do I see this completely different that, yeah, this happened to me, but look at the amazing impact that I've had on all of the people around me. When you see things differently, it's amazing how easy it is for you to overcome the challenges. So questions for you to ask uh, yourself um, in 2018. What has to happen? What has to happen? What has to happen for every single customer that we uh, ever come into contact with to want to come back time and time and time again? Don't tell me that they don't want to come back. Ask what has to happen so that they are turned into addicted raving fans who want to come back time and time again whether or not they've got a problem what has to happen to stack the deck in your favor so that at the slight first sign of a back problem twinge spasm tension or tightness they do not wait even consider go anywhere else they pick up the phone to you and want to come back to your business i can tell you now it will not be because of the quality of your skills it will be because of the total sum of the experience that you provide the person on the front desk how happy is she really to be in that job? How delightful is she really? How interested really is he or she in the customers? How easy is that person to speak to? How vibrant is the energy on the phone when I call your office? These are all of the tiny little things that go on into um, the decision-making process of an individual when they are considering, shall I or shall I come back? And it has nothing to do with whether or not I got the outcome. They take the outcome for granted that you will get it for them. It's all of the other intangible things that you have to provide or may not be providing that are the reason that they are or are not coming back as frequently as you would like. So here's another question, a growth question. What are you not doing that we should be to get more new patients? What are we not doing that we should be to get more new patients? Simple question. Another way to look at that one. What would somebody else do instantly if they bought this business? So if you were thinking of selling your business and you were going to sell it to me, what would I do in that business to make it more profitable? And why aren't you doing it? Question number eight. Oh, sorry. Lesson number eight. Income follows assets. Income follows assets. So everybody wants the income but they don't want to take the time to create the asset. What's the asset? Could be the staff. My team are assets. They generate income for the business. What else is an asset? My marketing system, my brand, uh, my message, my unique value proposition in the marketplace and how I interwind that into all of the communication that we have from the telephone to the website to the email marketing to the social media. My unique value in the marketplace is an asset and the more attention that I pay to my uh, marketing system, to my brand, to what my customers are saying about me, then uh, the more income or the higher my income will be. If you want income, you have to create assets. Does it take time to create a marketing system? Yes, it does. But that time is going to come and go very quickly. Now is the time for you to start to create that marketing system, that asset that will generate the income in the next six to 12 months that you are looking for. Number nine, lesson. Uh, recruitment is a process. 
Recruitment is a process. For most people, recruitment is a damned inconvenience that they really do not want to have to go through. And the only thing that recruitment, uh, or the only problem that recruitment solves is the recruitment problem itself. Meaning that because I really don't want to have to go through this recruitment, I really don't want to have to employ somebody. Let's just employ anybody and solve that problem, not necessarily the problems within the business for which that person is actually being employed for. And the skill set that they have must be suitably matched to be able to help them or allow them to solve the problems. So most business owners' typical way of hiring somebody is a conversation with a friend who says their friend has just lost their job and would be ideal for that position. Should I give you their number? To which the business owner says, yes, he or she sounds ideal. Tell them to call me. Can they start right away? That's how nine out of 10 people get uh, um, recruited. And um, if it's not that, it's some variation of, well, two people applied. The uh, one that we didn't give the job to, we felt that they were uh, not up to the task, not very good, and probably not gonna be able to help us with the technology side of things. Therefore, we'll give the other one the job. It didn't mean that the other one was suitably qualified. It just meant that the one that didn't get the job definitely wasn't suitably qualified. And, and that's it. Recruitment is a process, a series of things that you can systematize. It's a series of events from phone calls to tasks to fill out a form to write a blog to show up on time to come back and have lunch and dinner with the, uh, the team. Recruitment is a process that the more time that you spend studying um, the questions that you ask in the interview and the phases of the interview, the more likelihood that you will get the recruitment correct. And I've learned as I've grown this business now to 28 members of staff or, or, or worldwide to 28 members of staff, I need to be better at recruitment than I do acquiring new patients. In the beginning, it's about new patients. As your business passes half a million towards a million uh, and your, your income uh, heads up towards that level uh, in sales, it's all about recruitment. You have to be world-class at recruitment, then leadership uh, and somebody in that organization uh, responsible for creating the culture. Um, that is... If you're a business owner and you've got uh, a relatively sized uh, big business, half a million or more, and you've got problems, I would wager that the first, um, or better said, the first place I would look would be uh, at the employees and therefore the recruitment process. Almost everything that is or is not happening in a business that is problematic is because of usually the wrong people in the wrong seats. Therefore, it's the recruitment process. And as I watch my own business owners uh, grow, many of which who started with me with zero employees, so my mastermind members, some of the guys I'm thinking off the top of my head, like Justin Rabinowitz, Mike Wehan, uh, Carrie Jose, Kevin Bandy, uh, Jake Burnham from Florida, superstars, uh, David O'Sullivan for here in Britain, uh, Gav Noble, people uh, like that who have been with me now for a couple of years. They have gone or they started with me as solo practitioners and are now in uh, in hiring mode. They are constantly hiring staff because their businesses are growing that fast. And more of the conversations are about how they um, recruit, how they keep staff happy, salaries, uh, how you set KPIs for their staff to keep them productive. The conversation is turned from what was originally all about new patients to all about recruitment. So I'm going to tell you that recruitment is a process that you need to be world-class at if you're planning on growing a big business. 10, if you want to go fast, you must, must be able to read the scorecards. If you wanna go fast, you must be able to read the scorecards. And um, as my business has evolved, really this was something that I was guilty of um, neglecting in the beginning. It's uh, my, uh, you know, I'm a marketer and a salesperson at heart, therefore I'm diametrically opposed to ever even want to look at numbers. I'm creative, I'm, uh, 
kind of a big picture visionary type you know person in, in the business who yeah likes to get my hands dirty with creating marketing and sales systems um, but I've always shied away from really truly understanding the numbers had a bit of an idea of you know what I needed to track but really didn't obsess over them and, and um, as my businesses have scaled rapidly over the last year or two to the level that they are today um, I've realized that if um, I want to go fast safely and to avoid flying into a mountain or, or landing in a uh, in the ocean if you like I have to be able to read the dials on the scorecards and the scorecards that I'm referring to uh, are things like your um, profit and loss or your income statement whatever you call it your balance sheet your cash flow statement and your um, statement of cash to uh, figure out where all of this uh, or where where the uh, activities uh, are in your business so looking at scorecards for me now is a, an absolute must on a weekly monthly and quarterly um, event I spend more time two days every quarter one day every month and two hours every Monday looking at the numbers in each business and the numbers that I'm looking at are simply uh, activities that happened in the business um, displayed in the numerical um, format and therefore the skill if you like is in uh, unraveling the numbers and turning those numbers back into activities that did or did not take place uh, within the business so you being able to read the scorecards uh, which is your P&L your balance sheet your statement of cash your cash flow forecast is an absolute prerequisite in in business and um, I've even dug uh, deeper into things like common size and variance analysis um, and really looking at every single number in that business uh, every single line item looking at how every single product uh, or every single thing or, or line item how each one affects the other and that to me uh, has been the real breakthrough in 2017 moving from kind of being aware of the numbers to truly being able to analyze the numbers and give you an accurate reflection of what my business uh, or what is happening in my businesses whether I'm in the country or I'm not so number 11 being in a room has to happen for the learning to take place the next day I'm gonna say that again being in a room or on a call has to happen for the learning to take place the next day the learning takes place after you listen to a podcast the learning takes place after you attend a mastermind event or seminar the learning takes place after you attend a mastermind coaching call and I hope and I know that one or two or many of my mastermind members listen to this podcast and I'm going to tell them again when we do those weekly calls on a Wednesday or we do those meetings every three or four months for two days the learning takes place on the Sunday mastermind meetings are Friday and Saturday the learning takes place on the Sunday the ROI takes place on the Sunday you have to be in the room to formulate the ideas synthesize uh, what is a good and a bad idea for your business but to put it into action happens on the Sunday and I've become a big fan of helping my mastermind members to see this that yeah every Wednesday we do our mastermind calls for two hours but what happens on the evening or the very next day when you've reflected on the mastermind call is what determines how worthwhile how successful and whether or not you will get the ROI you're looking for so as you contemplate opening up in 2018 if you are not getting in a room regularly if you are not getting on a coaching call regularly um, you are severely limiting yourself but know this that even just showing up does not guarantee that you will be successful the uh, ROI that you look for will happen after 
it takes place. It's almost a necessary evil to get into the room for two days, to throw around the ideas, to synthesize lots of ideas and break them down into two or three great ideas so that the next day you can figure out where they fit on your calendar to be executed over the next three months or week or two weeks or whatever it will be. And that's ultimately uh, why mastermind programs uh, are so effective um, if facilitated correctly. Number 12, time blocking time blocking revolutionary in my life um uh, many conversations with business owners who will tell me well i've blocked out an extra hour every morning to, to focus on marketing and i'm like no point complete waste of time time blocking three to four hours is what it takes peter drucker um one of the best uh, smartest business uh, minds ever uh read any of his material he will tell you time blocking and from when i studied this from him uh, it changed everything in my business that I now have a window every day between 11 and 3 that I time block that is where I do my most valuable work. Everything else can get done around that, but if I want to achieve anything, I need a considerable period of time, which is about three to four hours. At that point, after four hours, I've lost my energy, motivation, concentration, whatever it will be, and I need to move on to something else. But if I want to do something worthwhile, it gets done between 11 and 3. So my day will often start in the office when I'm in the office. Um, at 10, uh, 30 with the staff we have a staff meeting and then by 11 everybody every single day we have that meeting in my media team's office um, which is where i'm predominantly based these days um, and at 11 o'clock everybody's off to do their thing and i'm off to do my one thing for the day which is between 11 and 3 uh, working on a marketing campaign uh, checking kpis thinking about um, the vision or the future of the business or writing a series of emails or whatever it will be the one single thing that I work on gets done between 11 and 3. And time blocking, having a series of repeated activities in your calendar will change your life. And getting my staff into that way of thinking so that every time uh, or at any point I could look on their calendar and see all of the repeatable, uh, every week, never changing activities linked to the outcomes that they know they need to achieve in their calendar. So, for example, my video guy, my video producer, who produces much of this content um, that is full-time in my office, I need to see on his calendar two hours allocated to produce this podcast, two hours pro to produce an audio experience, two hours to produce a video, an hour to do a call card, two hours to do the Polgoff Physio Room show, and so on and so on and so on. And then when I give him other tasks, he can look at me and say, Paul, I cannot get what you're asking me uh, to do done in the allocated time. Which one would you like me to prioritize for you? And it makes sure that this business stays incredibly efficient and we sweat these assets to the best of our ability. Um, because if we don't, we become uh, to the at the mercy of many staff who will tell you or many businesses who will have their staff uh, tell the boss that they don't have time, can't do it, uh, or we'll never get all of that done. And really what's happening is that the time is not used efficiently. Um, another example that springs to mind is one of my staff came to me recently and said that um, she just didn't have time to, to do everything I was asking. And I looked in her calendar and I saw calls booked uh, at random. I was like, well, you've got a call there, you've got one at 10, you've got another at two, another at 12. I said, every time that you start and stop a call, you will get ready for the next one. So at 12 till one, if you don't have another call at two o'clock, you've got an hour in the middle that I guarantee you will be wasting time. Because by the time you finish that one hour call, you will have a cup of coffee or you will walk to the toilet or you'll ask somebody some questions before you know it's 25 past one. And then you think, well, it's not worth starting anything worthwhile because I've got another call in half an hour. So I'll just send some emails or do something trivial. And really, if we time block those calls and we put them all together back to back to back, first of all, we become more efficient and we are able to 
get more important things done in time blocks and we're not wasting time in between calls if those three calls take place between two and five back to back to back that means that you've got 10 30 till three or two to actually get more stuff done and actually get into the zone and get fired up rather than constantly stopping and starting an important activity which makes it very hard to concentrate makes you feel very tired leaves you drained at the end of the day and makes you go home feeling as though you worked hard but you're not quite sure what you actually got done so time blocking um, you want to know how important time blocking is for me um, i've spent an entire day an entire day in december blocking out every single thing that i will be doing in the entirety of 2018 i can tell you every event every flight every week off every two hours for checking kpis every four hours now don't get me wrong some days don't have anything allocated but the time block is there and it will say available important event you know important activity time block available so that if somebody comes up to me in january and says paul can you do this in february i'm very much likely to say no if you want me to come and speak or you want me to come and do something you're going to have to let me know a year in advance that's how dedicated i am to protecting my time from vampires from absolutely wasting it when i could be doing something very productive i've got marketing activities planned out right up till september october next year that will be um leading me and, and again part of the what's the milestones in the business and what's the activities uh, that will need to go on to support our goals well the activities are create the marketing campaigns or do the direct mail or do the videos we've got many if not most of those activities mapped out all the way through and if they're not mapped out there is time allocated for them so that when we get round to it to put those actual name you know naming the activity into the calendar i have it in place ready to go i can tell you what day i'm getting on a flight to go to my mastermind event in november of 2018 i can tell you when i'm flying to cleveland to take part in my own as a student mastermind um, uh, participant that i will be going to three times in 2018 what time the flight will fly home i know all of that already because i want the day off after to uh, maximize the learning and leverage it therefore i've got no calls booked in on that day and so on and so on and so on this is the level of detail that if you want to be uber successful that you're going to have to go to and it starts with time blocking both yours and your staff's time uh so last one um the four percent club i'm going to leave you with this one this is the final thing that i'm going to leave you with the four percent club is something that i've become more uh, aware of um as i've gone on my business journey this whole concept that i'm fascinated with right now that 96 percent of businesses go bust why why do 90 percent 96 percent of businesses that start why are they non-existent they struggle they fail they flatline and then they just close the doors within 10 years of starting a business when at the start they obviously had what they believed to be a great product or a great service that the market um, would want to buy otherwise they wouldn't have opened the business so what's gone wrong and i'm obsessing over that now what has to happen to get into the four percent club as i call it my entire mastermind program uh, next year will be focusing on the four percent club what has to happen to get into it and stay in it and thrive as a member of the four percent club we will be renaming and rebranding the mastermind next year to the four percent club because everything that we will do in uh, mastermind um, from january 1st onwards will be dedicated to getting everybody into the four percent club staying in the four percent club and thriving 
in the 4% club. The uh, odds of you being successful in business are severely stacked against you. You have to face up to that. You have to do something different. You cannot look around at what everybody else is doing and just expect that if you do the same that you will be all right because doing so suggests that you will end up one of the 96%. And the 96%, they're going bust. 80% are going bust within five years and 96% are going bust within 10 years you have to think differently you have to ask different questions you have to do all of the things that we're talking about on these calls you will not hear many things like this on other podcasts i can tell you that um for for free these things are lessons learned severe lessons the fear severe amount of time has gone into learning these lessons um uh, giving myself time to even acknowledge that there was a lesson to be learned um putting myself in situations with business coaches I've just had the happiest Christmas present of all, uh, which was me buying myself into a new mastermind program with a guy called Dan Kennedy. Uh, I'm now a, a mastermind member of Dan Kennedy's top program. For anybody who isn't aware of Dan Kennedy, he is probably the greatest marketer uh, of the current uh, generation, if you like, of, of marketers, who uh, was one of my fo- uh, foremost uh, mentors from books and buying his online classes. And I always set myself uh, a goal, an outcome, if you like, of, um, and this is what, it's a true story. Um, when uh, a few years ago, Natalie asked me what I want for Christmas, I said I wanted to hire Dan Kennedy to be my um, my business coach. And he's based out of Cleveland. Um, he's somebody who I've uh, watched on seminars and bought his video programs and tapes. And I've amassed, um, having spent a lot of money with him, and I've finally been able to get into a position of spending uh, a significant sum of money to be able to call myself one of his um, his students, a, a genuine member of his uh, elite personal mastermind program. I think it's for 10 people uh, that will be involved with him next year. And I'm, I'm ecstatic to say that this Christmas I bought myself uh, entry into his mastermind program to develop my uh, business education and, and hopefully pass on many of the lessons that I learned from him uh, to you as, uh, as a listener of the podcast and a follower of my work. So the 4% club I'm obsessed with, how do I get into it? It starts by me being around more of uh, people who are in it. So being involved in a mastermind program here in the UK, which I spend a significant uh, amount of money on, and a mastermind program in the US, which I spend uh, equally significant amount of money on so that I'm around business owners who are in the 4%, who are staying in the 4% and are thriving and prospering in the 4% club. So um, much of what you have to do, and I'm going to leave you with this, Uh, for 2018 is you're going to have to essentially beat the odds the odds are stacked firmly against you you copy what other business owners do you will struggle if you market like other business owners you will struggle if you think like other business owners you will struggle and ultimately you're going to get what they want so i hope and i hope and i hope and i hope that through everything that i do for you and hopefully put out for you and all of the lessons that i learned it is, and please know that it's with the intention of helping you to get into that 4% club. If you can get into the 4% club and thrive, uh, you are going to have a predictably sustainable, uh, reliable, profitable business, which is what it's about. I do not want quick fixes for you. I do not want overnight profit, you know, this week's more profit or whatever. I'm in this for the long haul with you. Um, and I'm interested in getting you into the 4% club so that um, you can thrive and pros- uh, prosper and have a clear path to long-term sustainable profits in your business. So with all of that said, um, that's it. 
that's it for the podcast for 2017. I'm looking forward. Um, I have a, an array of lessons lined up for you in 2018. Um, if you've enjoyed the show, please leave me a review. Please get in touch. Uh, remember to get on my email list, paul at paulgoff.com is my email. Uh, and www.paulgoff.com is where you can join the email list. We are uh, getting thousands of subscribers to uh, enter the email list. And like I said, if you like the way that I think you believe that I've got anything remotely interesting to help and teach and show you and share with you, then please get on the email list. Uh, we have a massive uh, year coming up for live events and trainings. You will miss out unless you are on the email list. And if uh, you want to get to see me in person, you want to talk to me in person, you want to come to one of my events, or you want to join one of my six-week uh, programs, we've got the Business Growth School program launching at the end of January 2018. You will only find out about it if you are on the email list. So paulgoff.com is the place to go um, to get there. And if you are interested in uh, learning more about Infusionsoft, head over to paulgoff.com forward slash Infusionsoft. Take the training, uh, reach out to my team and tell us that you want to know more. Do not get the uh, app from Infusionsoft and think that my team will be able to train you. We can't. If you are interested in Infusionsoft, you must get it through my team. And that means that my team can train you in the exact same way that my uh, staff use the Infusionsoft app in the Polgoff Physio Rooms, and we can even preload your app with funnels as well. So uh, polgoff.com forward slash Infusionsoft is the place to take that uh, training. So all the lives uh, need to say, thank you for your listenership. It means the world to me. We've had it, um, I think, something like 17,000 listeners uh, in the last six or seven months alone. So this podcast is... Um, it's pretty epic right now. There is um, a lot, a lot, a lot of listeners to this uh, show all over the world. And I'm going to say thank you. It means the world to me to have your attention. Uh, and I'm excited to share with you more lessons in 2018. Uh, so from me and the team and my family and everybody, uh, I wish you an absolutely uh, wonderful, happy, prosperous, successful, and above all, very profitable in business uh, 2018. I'll uh, speak to you again really soon. Thank you for listening to the Physical Therapy Business School podcast. If you want to advance your business education even faster, then simply head over to paulgoff.com where there are instant access PDF reports and online trainings that you can have from us for free. You can take our free report, the seven things that PT School forgot to teach you about becoming a successful business owner, and the online tutorial, how to generate 20 new patients in the next 30 days without a single referral from a doctor. Both of these free trainings will give you more guidance, clarity and the essential skills to help you grow a more successful physical therapy business starting today. Find out the critical things that Paul's learned from growing his very own private physical therapy business and from helping other business owners from all across America, in Britain, Canada and Australia. As valued listeners, we want to give you this training for free. All you have to do is head over to paulgoff.com, that's P-A-U-L-G-O-U-G-H dot com to collect them. We'll see you again next week for another episode of Paul Goff's Physical Therapy Business School podcast. And until then, have a fabulous week.